Welcome to episode 42. No, this is episode 43. Holy Last shit. week we had Alex Gardner in the house. Uh, right. JB Tribes, one, one of the strongest women in the gym. Uh, this is Jungle Brothers. It's myself, Paulie, and we've got our guest Sean Dykoff in the house today. Uh, I'm going to get you to intro yourself in a sec, Big Sean. Just a couple of things, guys, if you need us, you can find us at junglebrothers.com, all things strength and movement related, on Instagram at junglebrothersmovement. Uh, mezzanine's going pretty well. Jiu-Jitsu program's going to be up in, uh, at full scale soon. Give it a couple of weeks. Keep your eye out for that. We've got our next internship coming up next year. That's going to be an early March kind of deal. And I wanted to say thanks to our coffee sponsors, Panavore Cafe in Pagewood, the finest coffee and the most delicious egg sandwich. I do encourage you all to try it. Um, we're here with Sean today. Sean's a fellow gym owner. He's, a, uh, he's an old mate of mine. Um, we've known each other through the business. He has a gym in Balmain called Accelerate Strength. He's an interesting guy. He is a, uh, I'd say you're quite a motivated guy, quite an inspiring guy. Um, why don't you give yourself a little introduction? Well, that, that's a pretty good intro. That's probably the best intro I've ever had. Inspiring guy? <laughs> yeah, I, I like that. Thank you. Get Joe to follow <laughs> you around everywhere you go now with that. <laughs> you can write my Instagram captions. <laughs> <laughs> write my bio for me. Um, no, nah, we've known each other for a while now. We, uh, we originally met uh, what, at, a, at a business mentoring group, right? Yeah. And, uh, when was that like? It's interesting to think back. Maybe like seven years ago or something? Oh, well, maybe not that long. Five yeah, years ago, prob- probably not quite seven. Maybe because we've Four only had five. our gym for yeah, we've only had our gym for about five years. So five okay, and so half. it's about that. Yeah, so mm-hmm. it's pretty much when we were both starting out our gym journeys, right? Like it's you, true. You yeah. just left your your role as a, a lighting guy, and I'd left my job as a helicopter guy, and like yeah, we just sort of fell into it. But um, yeah, like we we started as a CrossFit affiliate, and uh, we've sort of evolved and changed with the market over the years, and and we're now a slightly different gym to what we used to be. Um, the principles still remain the same in what we do, but um, yeah, it's just a, just taking a little bit of a different veer based on what the, the market's sort of asking. So That's cool. Yeah. Um, so when you say CrossFit affiliate, and I'm just, I'm asking this more for the people that aren't really familiar with, with what that deal is. Uh, I think a lot of people think that CrossFit is just a, like a style of training, like doing different things. Yeah. Uh, what is it? And what does it mean to be an affiliate? Yeah, so CrossFit sort of, uh, they, they went down the route of not being a franchise. So if you, if you buy a business like a, a Subway or an F45 or something like that, then they, it's sort of a business in a box. Like they'll give you everything. They'll give you the, the systems, the processes, the sales processes, like all that stuff all wrapped up. Here you go, deliver it, and then they'll take a, a portion of your, your income or, or revenue. With CrossFit, they said, we just want you to license the name and you can call yourself a CrossFit affiliate by licensing the name and paying a, a fee per year. What we aren't going to do is give you any business advice, um, any real like coaching help or, or guidance to, to help build your coaching and, and become a better coach over time. We just want you to do the course, apply to us, and then you can use the name on our behalf. Um, so what they hoped would come from that is uh, what they call a free market model, where uh, if, if you and I opened a gym close by, then I had better processes and was a better business person, then my gym would flourish and yours wouldn't and, and you would die off and the, the good would survive. Sort of like evolution, right? But, Similar to but a in, kind of cap- capitalist kind of idea. Like, yeah. Yeah, free yeah. markets. Yeah, so they're hoping that the, the good ones last and the, the ones that aren't so good and, and bring the name into sort of disrepute will just sort of fall away as the years go on. 
Yeah. So that's the, the whole gist behind like becoming an affiliate, I guess. Okay, it makes sense. I mean, you know, I guess, and I guess a lot of that has occurred, hasn't it? There was a, there was like a boom period, CrossFit gyms everywhere, and then a lot of them didn't last. And now the ones that are, that are still there have either evolved or, well, they've all evolved, even if they're still strictly CrossFit. Yeah, definitely. They've had to. They've had to evolve, haven't they? Yeah. Well, just as your clients uh, like start getting better or, or changing, right? Like everything works until a point. Like with with all of our training, like if you just do pull ups every day, you're going to get better at pull ups until you just don't get better at pull ups anymore, and you need to change the stimulus into something else. Same with like the the fitness and the business offering that we have for our clients, right? If you just just do CrossFit all the time, and then you're starting to increase your price and, you know, over the years like CPI increases are going on and you're not doing anything to change that or make it better or, you know, give them access to different stuff or um, run different programs or seminars or whatever, then, like, what are they getting on, on top of what they already had, you know? Like, they're, they're paying more for nothing else. Yeah, things so, are going to change. Yeah, so if you're not doing that, and that's just uh, business 101, right? Like if you're not evolving and, and adapting to what the market is sort of what making you move or, or standing out in the marketplace, then yeah, you're just going to die off eventually. So, <clears throat> sorry, your gym is in Balmain. Sydney. Yeah, yeah. It's yep. called Accelerate Strength. That's the one. Cool. Are you from Balmain? Are you from the area? Are you from Sydney? Nah, so I grew up in, um, in the Sunshine Coast or like North Brisbane uh, oh, when I was younger. Motherfucker. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a Queenslander. Why do you say that? Oh, because he's a Queenslander. Yeah. Yeah, and um, and I had a I had a bit of an interesting like not turn of events, but like the way things sort of went for me. Mm. Like everyone sort of knows what career they want to go into and where they want to go and what they want to be and that sort of thing. I th I think, or a fair few of my friends did anyway. Right. Like they wanted to go to university and study this thing and then go down this route. Sure, it might have changed over time, but I literally had no idea. So I went into Energex, like one of the, um, like the, the energy providers up in Queensland, like Energy Australia type company, and applied to be an electrical linesman. I got the job, did all the aptitude testing, passed all the physical, all that type of stuff. And then the very last Jogging day... Jogging big, big overhead lines or like underground, like just... Yeah, big overhead lines. Okay. Yeah. And um, yeah, got through all the stuff. And then at the very last thing, I had this like last interview before you signed the paperwork to like to be a linesman mm. and they're like oh you haven't finished year 12 yet and i was like nah and they're like oh well, we, we can only take people once they finish high school and they have their high school results and i was like son of a bitch <laughs> i was like why didn't you, you tell me that on day one you've dragged yeah. me through this like three to six month process and <laughs> no i've like, gotten here and it's not working um so anyway i like literally walked out the front door and the um army navy air force sign was there and there's like guys spruiking like oh come and join us and whatever and I went in there and they took me on as a um, an aircraft maintenance engineer. So they like sold me this dream and promise of you know doing electrical stuff, which I really enjoyed and, and was a bit of a passion at the time. Um, and then yeah, you can travel the world, you can fix helicopters, you get this trade where you can go and work for all these other companies and like Boeing and Sikorsky and all this stuff. And um, yeah, the the seeing the world thing was what I was interested in. Cool. But then. Yeah, then uh, so I got moved away from Queensland, obviously, to do that and um, went down to Melbourne and did, like, my initial training down there and, you know, did the mud runs and the, all the physical stuff and, like, let's go and do this physical thing and we're not going to tell you when it finishes and we're not going to tell you how long it goes for. Like, just come, like, get your shoes and we're going for a run today, um, which I'll, I, I guess we'll get into more later, but, like, it was good mental toughness training. And, um, yeah, so did did the Navy for six years. I left the Navy, 
once I uh, left, I went and worked for some contract companies, which um, sort of really got me into uh, like learning how to be an entrepreneur. Like I had to, um, I would quote uh, servicings for helicopters. So I would speak to being the, the lead avionics guy on, on these um, jobs. I would go and talk to Avion the... Is that aviation electronics? Yep. Okay. Yeah. So I'd go and talk to the, the Commonwealth representative and give him the, the schedule and quote for what we thought it would cost for him to do this servicing on his helicopter. And then they'd say yes or no. And it, at the time, it was awesome. Like, I could pretty much just write my own overtime and, like, you know, I was just making lots of cash as a, as a young guy. Yeah. It allowed me to buy a house and all that type of thing. Um, but after a while, that I sort of got over that. And it was actually during my time when I was like just finishing in the Navy and just starting to work as a contractor that a friend of mine uh, came back from the States where he'd been training with the Navy SEALs and they were doing CrossFit over there. Mm. So yeah, at the Navy gym, like we'd go up there at lunchtime or of an afternoon and he'd put me through these workouts and just like, I guess a lot of, if anyone's listening and they've heard other people talk about CrossFit, like they did it the first time and it was a bit like, you know, crack and you're just like, whoa, that like fucking kicked my that ass. Was rad. Um, I want more of that. Like that feels really good. Like just the massive endorphin rush that you have after like getting sort of flogged and um, being a <laughs> bit of an addictive person, like a bit of an addictive personality. I sort of just like got right into it. And then everything from sort of that moment on was like, how do I just get to do more of this? So a friend started the gym down the south coast, um, CrossFit Jervis Bay. I helped him open that. Um, while what, I was what year are we talking up. about now? <clears throat> that was 12 two, or something? Nah, that's like 2009, 2010. Okay. Yeah, sort of when I was just starting to do CrossFit then. And um, then, yeah, so for the first couple of years, like I coached for him and help him start, or helped him start his gym and sort of got, a, got my feet wet in like how operations work and how to onboard new clients and what it was like telling people what CrossFit was and how to get them started and those type of things. Um, and it just like fueled the entrepreneurial flame, I guess. Like I just wanted to do more and more and more. And then like fast forward a couple of years and, and uh, my, my now wife or girlfriend at the time, uh, she moved from Wollongong to Sydney to become a lawyer and I just made the move up. And, and to make the move up, I just went and worked at uh, Holsworthy, uh, the, the army base out in, in West Sydney, um, and, and continued working on helicopters out there. And it was at that time that I met my now business partner. And um, yeah, we just sort of hit it off in one day, a bit of a bromance over a workout. <laughs> and um, Matty Williams. Yeah, Matty Williams. <laughs> and um, yeah, we sort of hit it off and, and I'd never really wanted to open a business with somebody else. Like I sort of saw myself doing it all myself at, at some time. But then meeting him and realising that the help that he could bring to the, the situation and, and the party, I was like, well, it's silly to go it alone if you can have someone else there to help you. So we formed a bit of a partnership and, yeah, over, over the next couple of years, like everything just started rolling and found a place and got started and, yeah... That's, uh, that's sort of my journey from high school to now, like the last sort of, I don't know, like 10 years of life, like wrapped up into, what was it, like five minutes of just me talking <laughs> about it. <laughs> that's cool, man. Yeah. Tell me, going back to the, because um, this is something I never really have understood. When you joined the Defence Forces, so you joined the Navy. Yep. And so you pick a trade. Yep. Um, but how does it work in terms of you becoming a soldier and also doing the trade? Like, does everyone... Does everyone that enters at that level receive the same amount of exposure to training for 
training for, let's say, battle or training for, you know, for yeah. defence and then also question. training for their skill set or is there different factions? Yeah, that's, that's a really good question. So the the army and could the you navy... my ass? That's what I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> I could shoot you from 300 yards away <laughs> <laughs> with a rifle, but that's about it. You, you are a black belt in JIT, so you kick my ass. I got a bad and, knee, bro. And you, ha- time. <laughs> you have kicked my ass before. <laughs> I held you down for There's 10 seconds. There's a photo of you choking me out, bro. I'll share that for the people. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that can be the profile photo. <laughs> Uh, yeah, initially everyone, you, you go down one of two routes. You can either be a, a general entry soldier, sailor or airman and, um, and that's the route that I went down or you can be a commissioned officer. So that's like pilots and, and commanding officers of ships and they'll go down a separate route. But essentially the, the route that I went down was to become a tradesperson or a tradie. Um, I did an apprenticeship with the Navy and at the end of it I got my aircraft maintenance engineer certificate and like, here you go. Um, but everyone that joined at my level were, there was like bosun's mates and stewards and um, riders and communicators and um, the guys that sit there with their headsets on. Are and these and all they different the, roles within, like on a yeah, ship? Yeah, and they watch the blipping on the radars, <laughs> yeah. like the green thing that you see in the, the movies and the stuff. Movies. Um, so all of those guys will all do the same recruit training. And essentially that's just, um, I think it was 12 weeks. It was either 12 or 16 weeks at HMA Cerberus. And it's like ironing your bed, ironing your clothes. Your clothes have to be like 30 centimetres wide by 50 centimetres deep with the buttons showing, no creases, all this stuff. Like the mirrors had no uh, no smears on them or anything like that. Pristine. Yeah, and essentially like... I, I, was, I find that idea really attractive. Yeah. <laughs> like just the OCD level, I'm like, oh, I could get around that. It's next level. It, it really like institutionalises people. And like my friends that are still in, um, like their homes aren't like that, but the way they work is actually really like neat and tidy and you know the floors are painted in the hangers and there's not a drop of dust on them at the end of the day and like it's yeah it's pretty good yeah like it, the the discipline and and whatnot that they instill in you in that time because you got to think the the people that are joining is like general entry soldiers and sailors and whatnot they're like they're tradies essentially like they're not um you know they're not like university graduates of law or or a doctor or a surgeon just or something like knock that. A, knock about folk. Yeah, they're yep. just normal people. So they come from lots of different backgrounds and different nationalities and races and all sorts of stuff, ages. Like I was 17 and, and grew up in a house where my stepdad was a policeman and his dad was a Vietnam vet. So it was like oh wow, lights go on outside and I'm inside or else I have a, a red welt on my ass for not being inside fast enough. Yeah, you right. Know? So like it's, you know, get inside or, or get a smack. Um, but yeah, that level of discipline going into the military, I didn't find it too hard. But there were so many people that struggled, hey. And, uh, like, I can imagine. Yeah. And the, the thing I was really fortunate with was to realise that the whole thing was a game. And I've talked about this before, but it's like most people get really upset. Like literally the, the recruit trainers and stuff would come into the rooms and they'd look around and you'd be standing there at attention, like having your room inspected. And they'd like go and pull a hospital corner out of your bed and they're like, why wasn't that in? You're like, I just fucking saw you pull it out, that's why. <laughs> and he's like, well, you're not going on weekend leave this weekend. And what's this, uh, and he'd like run his finger down the mirror. He's like, what's this smudge on the mirror here? I'm like, you just put that there. Let's <laughs> circle it with a texter. And they're like, next time make sure that smudge isn't there. And they just like do these little things that like just irk at you, like oh, just sort of nibble Irritate away. you? Yeah. And uh, like they're meant to do that. They want to... They want people like me to like get really frustrated and angry and you're either going to crack it and leave or you're just going to accept that it's a game and, and continue on playing the game and just try and do a little bit better next time. 
yeah. So when you say it's the game, and that it's the game is like they're trying to get a response out of you. Yep. And and so for you to kind of win in that role is to not respond. Yeah. Just you just accept it, and that's just that. Yeah. yeah right. That annoy the shit out of me, but I think I could do it. Yeah. I always thought that I could do the the army, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not the same thing, but when we worked in the film industry, it was in teams. There's yeah. guys. There's personalities clashing all the time. I saw it the same way. Oh, and whenever yeah. the young guys came around, I'd used to say, it's just a game, you know, and they're all just trying to catch you out. The game is don't get caught out. Yeah, 100%. I, and I kind of like the challenge of, of like the, the sound of like doing something like that. Yeah. Going to um, the army. The, the guys who didn't see it as that, they would like they were the ones who, um, you know, the, the seals do the ringing of the bell or like they have this sort of thing where if they want to get out, they just like call it and they're gone. We had, um, oh, there yeah, was like yeah, a, f- yeah. a few different stages that people could do it for us. Um, but one of them was um, day 64. I always remember this. So day 64 was like the day that people were allowed to just leave with no repercussions or anything. Like There was no fallback. It was like just the day they could walk out. And I, I'd really like to remember the exact stats of the amount of people that walked out at that time. But that was a shitload. Yeah, right. Like there was sort I'm of fucking out of here. Yeah, there was like 120 or maybe 150 people that sort of joined with me, and there was maybe like two thirds of that that walked out, like marched out and like passed and graduated and stuff. Wow. Yeah, lots of people can't handle it. Yeah. Day, day 64 of how many days of training? Uh, well, it was 12 weeks. Tw- okay. Oh, 12 to 16 weeks. I can't remember exactly. But, um, es- essentially, what that's like. Sort of, you know, two thirds or three quarters of the way yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You think you could do it, Joe? Yeah, I think I could. I think I, um, yeah, I think I'd fucking love it because I, I really like routine. I like consistency. I'm very consistent, and I think that, and I feel like I'm, I'm reasonably well disciplined. So I think that anything that that rewards consistency and discipline, I'd be like, fucking teacher's pet. <laughs> Even those mental games. And I'm a physical savage. <laughs> so you know, I don't, you know, I used to I know right. <laughs> what it did. I used to um, I used to think, because uh, when I look back at school and stuff, I didn't know anyone that was involved in in defence. It just, I'm guessing that there's, you know, I had like one friend at school whose dad was in the army, um, and that was always very novel to us. He's, we'd see, at sometimes I didn't hang out with him that much, but he'd go to his house and you could see, you know, his dad's army uniform, or you'd see like mm. some lapels or something or i remember one time he brought a he brought a gun like a a part of a like a steiger i think steiger Steiger, yeah he brought one of them home and it was like he allowed us to to play with it like you know in a responsible way and i was like oh that's so fucking cool but it was just strange that was the only exposure i had to to the yeah to the military right to defense forces i'm guessing there's um you know whatever areas of australia where you probably get like large clumps of people who are in it Definitely, yeah. Um, but I, I, I remember thinking when I was around uh, 18 and it was bef- I think it was before I was in the film industry, I was like a year out of school, I worked in a fish shop and um, I, I had no fucking idea what I wanted to do, right? And uh, I still don't. And um, <laughs> the, I remember, and I used to talk to my brother about it and I would say he's older than me and he was like at uni and he didn't know what the fuck he wanted to do either. Still and I doesn't. Was, still doesn't, right? <laughs> and I would say, um, man, I wish, <laughs> I wish there was a way I could go and do like the army training without having to join the army. Because I'm like, I don't want to go and sign up. My impression was you have to go and commit for like four years. And I'm like, I don't want to commit for, I just want to go and spend six months learning like hand-to-hand combat and survival skills and like, 
you know what I mean? Like all those things that you see in movies. Yeah, definitely. And I was like, and I and, and I and I and the, the discipline part was woven into that, and I wanted to have that experience. Yeah. And it just seemed strange that there was nowhere. I remember like googling it. It was probably like the first thing that was ever searched on Google. Um, but I remember googling it, looking for a place to do that because I wanted to pay. I was like, I'll go and spend my time. But yeah, I probably should have just done it. Yeah. Well, um, the you can actually go over to America and do our seal fit. There's a, I think Mark Devine, is it, who does it over there? I remember, like, yeah, that's a, like an, a CrossFit offshoot, yeah, was it? Yeah, I think there's a CrossFit offshoot or, or a few guys who did CrossFit um, in the early days with SEAL commanders and stuff like that. And then they started this as a, a, a side sort of hustle. And um, yeah, essentially you just go through what the, the Navy SEALs do, their buds training with the life rafts and all the, you know, in the water doing push-ups and the waves are crashing on you and all that type of stuff. That's like more next level than what we did. Like we but, didn't I, do but I even like, like the, the ironing of the shirts and the linen and stuff. Oh, like yeah. I think that was the hardest stuff, hey? Yeah, that's yeah. like, I mean, I just think for in terms of building, um, building habits for life that, you know, I mean, it's evident in you, right? In how you operate that those things are, yeah. you're, quite, you're quite meticulous about things yeah. from what I know. Matt, Maddie Williams even more so. Like when, when we go away on retreats and stuff and, and we share a room uh, when we're doing it, he will get up every morning and he'll like fold his clothes and have them on the end of his bed and he'll make the bed. Like it's not a, a hospital corners bed or anything like that, but it's like a sheet and doona are pulled over and the, the clothes are folded on top neatly and all set up. <laughs> yeah. And I've gone away from that. I, I didn't do as, as many years in there as him, so I'm not quite as institutionalized as he is. But <laughs> yeah, he's like super neat with that, hey, and just super OCD. So it's cool. The, so lo- the longer you spend in there, the more, <clears throat> the more that takes an effect. So I don't think, I don't, I don't see that as appealing to me. Like I think I'd do right. it, and I, I, I think oh, I'd like that challenge, but it's not like you where you're sitting over there getting chubby over there. <laughs> <laughs> ironing my ironing fucking folded <laughs> t-shirt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I know where to go for my ironing. I might bring it in a bag. I used to go. My <laughs> grand, we lived uh, my family house. My grandmother lived with us. Uh, she had like a little house. It was on the same property, but my parents built a little house for her that she lived in. So she just like walked down the garden path and she was at our place. Um, and she, she was going, she went kind of, she had a stroke, uh, I don't know, maybe 15 years, you know, before she passed away. But so she would, um, she, she could see, but she couldn't see very well. She would iron our clothes for us. That was like her thing. She'd do the laundry and iron and whatever. <laughs> and um, I would go up there to her place as a teenager and iron my own clothes. She had like a, like a press Oh, like a, yeah, that you might see like at a laundry, but like kind of like a, a pretty good, but a domestic, domestic one. one yeah. And I would go, I'd be like, no, no, don't iron my shit. I own my own. So and I'd iron and well, like all my, like my brother and sister were what like, you're so fucking, you're so suck. weird. You're I'm suck. like, what's weird about that? Like, I just like my shit being clean. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit of a meditation, right? Like it sort of, it makes you be really in the moment. And if you're thinking about all this other shit going on in your life, yes. you're yeah, not yeah, focusing yeah. on that thing, then yeah. you you know, you got some railroad tracks, and when you're out on parade, you're gonna be fucking called out for that shit, shit ironing job. Oh man, <laughs> I used to have to do my shirt, like uh, like for school, because I used to get myself ready for school. I had to iron my shirt for school. School, you get in trouble at school if it wasn't ironed. No, no, no. But it was my. I didn't have anyone to iron my stuff for me. So yeah, I mean, right. So I was ironing my own shirt and pants for school most of the time. No grandma living in the backyard. <laughs> no, no, no. no. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I thought I used to enjoy it, but as I've gotten older. I mean, I, ha- I don't wear anything that needs ironing right now. I probably could use an iron. <laughs> Man, I used to iron but jeans, I, I trousers, like, everything. When I have a I'm wedding or something and I have to iron a shirt, 
I, it, I just don't enjoy it that much. No, it's really boring it's, now, isn't it's it? It's hard. It's really hard and I feel like I need some tips. <laughs> well, it needs to be something you do consistently, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Like sleeves. Yeah. Is it sleeves? Then what do you do first? Let's oh. break this down real quick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shit at it. Well, the yeah, the main thing was just like the lines. Like they just wanted the lines to be like the creases to be like really sharp. So you're talking like when so you've got like, like a right yeah. at the front of your trousers and yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't necessarily like a, a, a method to doing it or anything. Okay, yeah. It was just that everything was sharp and yeah, looked yeah. like it had been ironed. Yeah, I don't know the... I couldn't give you a process of doing <laughs> yeah. it. I'm sure there's like a <laughs> standard five tips to get yeah. that, you know. Yeah, <laughs> what, yeah. How, to, how, how to. to on YouTube. Hey, so tell me... So then you, you found yourself in this CrossFit thing and you were, you were, you were frothing on that. Um, you Tell me how it went from there to you competing in CrossFit. Yeah, that's... Um, and, and what does that look like? Yeah, uh, I guess like when... When I started doing CrossFit, it was like, you know, t- 2009, 2010, uh, old Commando Steve or Steve Willis. For yep. those, those listening would probably know him as the, the guy off The Biggest Loser. He had just competed at the CrossFit Games and it's a very little known fact that he actually came fourth at the CrossFit Games. Did he? Yeah, so he, before... Was this one know, of the original CrossFit Games? Yeah. Like at the barn? Yep. Yeah. yeah, 2009 or 2010. It was one of those two. There's a doco on Netflix, I think, called Every Second Counts that he's in. Yep. And, um, and yeah, he was like the, the best of the Aussies that went there. Wow. And, and he came fourth. But just seeing him do it, and he was like a couple of friends detached from the group that I started with um, because he was an ex-Special Forces guy out of Holsworthy. So he knew a few of the guys that I knew who started and that type of thing. So we all got into it for the same reason as, you know, young... I know 20-ish year old men who start something that's like a bit competitive. Yeah. Like obviously that was just the natural evolution for me. And then each year, like I, I've always been really good at like just doing a sport and like being good at it, but not great at it. So I'll start something and, you know, I'll make a representative team like for my golf club currently or like the state team for volleyball or the regional teams for basketball and, and those types of things. But when I really sort of nailed down on CrossFit, I thought, oh, this is something I could be really, really good at. And uh, it was just about finding a good team over the years. So I like, went to a few different CrossFit gyms and just as we moved around, I sort of went to a few different ones and settled on um, CrossFit Active, which our like mutual friend um, Starry used to own. Of course. And, um, on the North Shore, right? Artarman? Yeah, Artarman, yeah. Yep. And, and they literally... Shout out Starry. Love yeah, that guy. He's a good dude. And, um, and they just started this uh, competitors program. So they had a full gym of people like me who they called them the level two active units. And <laughs> we'd literally, there was like 100 of us or 80 to 100 of us and we'd literally go there every night from like 6 to 7.30 or somewhere around there and just throw down and just be like hardcore training, like exactly what you see on the CrossFit Games, like YouTube videos and all that shit. Just wrecking That yourself. was just us, yeah. It wasn't uh, like, you know, some people were pretty silly and training through injuries and all that type of stuff, but I was pretty young and healthy and feeling good and like, yeah, I just kept up with everyone and I was still pretty diligent with all the recovery and stuff like that too. Like yeah. Most people sort of got into it and just sort of blew caution to the wind, didn't want to do that, but I was sort of like, I sort of need to do this if I want to have any longevity. I better like get a massage once a week and do some foam rolling and my wife being a lawyer just was never home at night time she'd you know be at work until nine o'clock or 12 o'clock so i'd just be rolling out watching the telly by myself every night it's like a little bit of bachelor life nice <laughs> so, uh, yeah 
that that was literally all it was the the transition to competitive to crossfit and the and the sport itself um it's uh it has team and individual like sides to the to the events yep um but at that time did you did you have to be anyone to like how do you qualify how do you get into it is there leagues or is it just like a comp rolls around once a year and you can sign up for it. Yeah, so in in those days, it, it's changed now and it's had a few different iterations based on, you know, over time it's changed for different reasons. Um, but at that point in time, it was you do the CrossFit Open, which I think most people would have heard about, like most CrossFit gyms do it for five weeks every year. Um, over the five weeks, a different workout comes out and, you know, you get judged at your gym um, and you did it this year. I did this yeah, year. Joey did it at our gym this year. See, I did it this year and, f- and few, and I think I mentioned it a little bit on my social media and a few people asked me, oh, you just did the CrossFit Games. Yeah. And I'm <laughs> like, oh, not quite that. <laughs> yeah. But the Open is essentially an online workout. It's like it's issued online. Yeah. And then any affiliate gym can, like any CrossFit member yep. can do it yep. and submit their results. So you get tens of thousands hundreds of thousands of people yeah, 500,000 sub- 500,000 yeah. at this point I think it's the most submitting their results across the world yeah. and you can compare and see where you rank amongst that group yeah. and then the top whatever go towards the next event yeah so at that point in time that next event that you're talking about was the regionals and that was the top 30 teams the top 30 individual men and women would go to the, the regionals and that was from I think it was Australia, New Zealand and Asia at that time as well yeah, so it was like a fair, fair clump of people, like, you know, a couple of hundred thousand of people that were trying for it. And um, I was fortunate enough at that time, it, this was 2014, uh, the year just before we, um, or the year of us opening the gym, but it was just earlier in the year. And um, yeah, I was on one of the teams from CrossFit Active that went there. We had three teams that qualified yeah, out of the 30. So wow. we, we were 10% of the field. Holy shit. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah, remember just, seeing just certain events gym. and they've, uh, we went to the regionals, Paul, me, you and T? Yeah, yeah. Down in Wollongong yeah, that's right. that we time? Were, probably around that time. Yeah, it would have been, hey. Yeah. We went we wanted to go check it out. It was fucking mad. But um Never I remember seeing like there were multiple CrossFit active teams in the one event. Yeah. Because they yeah. have like the sign post, like yep. the sign above the rig and they had like three yep. or something. Yeah. Something. We the there was one team and they were sort of ranked as well. Like there was one team that was always gonna make it at, at that regional competition to the next level as in the CrossFit games. Uh, and then the other two teams were sort of, we weren't, you know, shit, but we weren't Reserve like, grade. Yeah, we weren't the top team. Like the, the top team was sort of, there's a clear difference. They were always going to be out there. And then we were sort of a little, yeah, not expected to do as well. Yeah, okay. I think we did, we did better than we thought we would. So how'd you go? With that. Uh, I, I can't actually remember whether it was 14th or 15th. Like we came middle of the pack. That's exactly where we qualified to make it in. And that's exactly where we came on the weekend as well. So it's yeah. cool. Yeah, I was pretty proud of that. There's a lot of a lot of hard work went into getting there, so yeah, it was cool. And how long were you living that that life for, where you're doing the competition side of things? Uh, so it was pretty much like as soon as I started. Like as soon as I started, it was you know 2009, 2010, maybe the start of 2010, and then 2014 was the year I made made the regionals and and went there. Um, and then after that, it was immediately shifting focus from competing in training to like competing in business and and being a business owner. Right. So it was like, yeah, just a massive shift in gears, but still taking all that stuff from the, you know, competing and getting better and the growth mindset and all that stuff into into business. So, um, but yeah, what's that like? Four years. Four years. Yeah. So, cut to now, you're you're not competing in CrossFit. Um, Definitely not. The gym has evolved somewhat. Your program is no longer strictly CrossFit. Yep. 
Um, what are you? What changed in terms of your perspective and I guess what you value in, in exercise and those kinds of things? Because what we're talking about, right, I guess to, to, to lay it out for folks is that like w- there's a sport and then there's fitness or, yeah. or like training for health. Yeah. And a gym is essentially, generally speaking, your gym is trying to make people healthier and achieve certain goals related to their fitness. Whereas sport is, is, includes a bit of that, but, but it's, it's generally a more extreme approach because there's competition behind it. Yeah, 100%. So if, if someone was to look at their training and, and be training for performance, that doesn't always mean they're going to be the healthiest. Um, like you might be required to keep your body fat, like a bodybuilder, for example. I, I wouldn't call a bodybuilder healthy for what they need to do for their competition. Like they don't drink and they don't eat and they don't, you know, they count the almonds that they eat for weeks on end and, What's wrong and that with type that? of thing. Their, their body fat percentage is not in sort of a healthy range and that's competition. And we would do that uh, in CrossFit in different ways, like trying to find more efficient ways to do movements rather than spending like more time under tension and doing um, having deload weeks or, or doing other things that we know our body can handle over time, we'd sort of condense it into a, a bit more of a, a hectic phase for lack of a better term, but it'd be a little more crazy because you had a competition coming up. And, and I guess the other big thing is you want to peak at a particular time. So just like if you're at a jiu-jitsu event, I guess you'd sort of train up until and sort of want to peak at that time and be in your, your physical best shape. And that's for competition and performance. Whereas if you're training for longevity and health, there should be no point in time where you are at your peak per se. That should just be like every day, you're just getting a little bit better all the time. And like you shouldn't reach a peak and then come back down off it at the other end, like falling yeah. off a cliff and then having to rebuild again, if that makes sense. Yeah, because I guess essentially when you're, when you're at that peak, it's kind of a nice edge in a way, isn't it? Yeah. Like it could, you, if go you go too far, you, you overtrain or you get injured or sick or whatever. So it's a real art in trying to get there, but not cross that threshold. Definitely. Also, um, just the trajectory that you're looking at as well, because if you look at, um, at sport in seasons, like obviously, you know, you've got from now until like next, what are we in November now? Mm. Until next November to get ready for this competition. So the trajectory for you to improve between now and then, you know when that date is coming. Um, so there's going to be a certain line, like it's got to be a really steep curve to get there. Whereas if we're, so that's for a competition and you're training for performance on that day. If I'm training for life, then I can set that trajectory to be three years away. So my instance of injury or putting myself on that knife's edge doesn't have to be as, you know, as sharp, right? Yes. Like, because I know, like, if I need a rest today, I can take a rest. But if you're in the position where next year you need to perform on that day, it's like, there's fucking no rest days, brother. Like, you need to be training today, whether your knees are sore or not. And whether you're hungry or whether your cat's died or whatever, like, you're on. Yeah. Yeah, like, you're going. Yeah. yeah. Whereas if you're training more for longevity and health, it's like, sweet, let's take a, take a breather. Like, maybe even take a week off. Like, we've still got two and a half years to get there or three years to get there, you know? Yes. There's no rush. So, that's way more the approach that we do, that I have these days in my own training and obviously with the clients as well. So then managing that and say, uh, like you mentioned before, I, I did the CrossFit Open with you guys earlier this year, yep. which was sick. My, my partner trains with you guys. The CrossFit Open rolls around a couple times a year. Um, I thought I, I did it with her and it was cool. It was, it was nice to, you know, for, for people who are wondering what that looks like. It's, it's one workout a week 
that gets released and yep. you've got to do the workout within a week yep. and submit your result and someone's got to judge it. And there's five weeks. So there's five workouts, one a week. And so I'd go down to your gym once a week, I think on a Monday, Monday morning. morning, yeah, yep. and do the thing with me. So it was awesome. Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, uh, how do you then, when that competition aspect bleeds into the general population, and so you have members that, that maybe originally came to your gym who uh, just want to improve their health and fitness. Yeah. And then they get, they get into the thing and then you're like, oh, hey, the, the open's going. They're like, I want to do it. Yeah. So then it crosses that threshold into competition. Uh, how, do you, how do you manage that? And what, yeah. are your, what are your overall views on that? Yeah, I've got multiple. And it's, like it's changed just as much as, as other stuff in the gym over the years. But essentially, I really like the CrossFit Open for, for the sole purpose of if like let's say you're in a running club or in a jiu-jitsu you know gym or or some other sort of gym like they would always have like once a year you would do the city to surf or you would go to like some particular jiu-jitsu competition or there would be like a dragon birding race that you like do annually or something like that the crossfit open is purely that for our gym it's like literally the only time that we draw a line in the sand and we say hey, we've had a full year of training now. You know, you've either been training better or worse than last year. There's been some stress or less stress than last year. Let's see where you're at. You're probably going to do some muscle-ups or pull-ups or this or that. The workout's going to be slightly different, but it's a chance for you to, like, assess where you're at and see if your weaknesses are getting better and seeing if maybe your strengths are getting better as well. Like, let's just see where you are. A lot of people will go into it and they're, like, they see the leaderboard and they just use that as their benchmark. They're, like... You know, am I, you know, top 100 this year? Because last year I was top 200. That's a, a very poor goal because every year it gets bigger. So it's harder to get there. Right. So you need to be improving all the time. And, and if you uh, stay in the top 200, you, you're still progressing. Yes. If the pool's getting bigger. Yeah. Even if you, like in the first year, you came 100th and then the second year you came 100th again, you've improved because there's another 2,000 people in your age category who did the, th- the thing with you. Yeah. So like you've... Percentage-wise, you, you're good. <laughs> yep. You're staying up there. Um, and that's where I guess I, I really love the old quote, the comparison is the thief of joy. Because most people will, you know, they'll pick someone in the gym and they'll say, oh, he's about the same size, same weight, same height, same age, like all these things. And he can do that. So I should be able to do that too. That's what I did with you. Yeah. They don't really, and that's what I did with you with jiu-jitsu too. I'm, like, I'm a bit heavier than him. I should be able to hold him down. Like <laughs> so I, I even fall victim to this mindset also. Uh, but they'll pick someone in the gym and they'll say, this bugger's a guy I'm going to take down or I'm going to beat him. They don't take into consideration that he's an ex-professional rugby union player. He already could, before he started doing CrossFit, squat 200 kilograms. So he's a strong-ass mofo. <laughs> Um, and he could do all of these things and like literally he's just adding like a couple of pull-ups into a workout that he's done for like 10 years. Mm. Yeah. And they're like disappointed. And a lifetime of athleticism. Yeah. And they're like literally disappointed that they didn't beat him. And he, you know, is a stay-at-home dad. So the, the most stressed he gets is like a, a lack of sleep and changing shitty nappies. And the other guy might be Fortune 500 CEO who just lost like a $10 million deal or something. And like that's yeah. the type of stress that he's lost, you know, or, or had that day. So it's like, yeah, I think that's the sort of negative side to it. Yeah. But if, if people literally use it as, as just what I said before, the, the line in the sand each year, you know, last year I couldn't do muscle-ups in this workout. This year there's muscle-ups came up and I could do them. I was better prepared for it. Like that's how I want people to view it and how I want our clients to view it anyway. 
Can I ask you, uh, how has the training changed in your gym over the last so many years, especially seeing that you were once a gym owner who was young, training hard, foam rolling like a bachelor. <laughs> you had the program for your training and I know that like gym culture is largely led by the people from the front. Um, and uh, as I understand and as I see in social media, it's sort of evolved over the years. How has the actual programming, the changing, uh, the training changed, if, if at all? Yeah, no, that's a really good question. Um, it, it's changed a lot. So one of the things that was really cool with CrossFit when it first started was this constant. So CrossFit essentially is they call it constantly varied functional movements at a relative intensity or relative high intensity. So. If we're constantly varying movements... Did they add relative into that statement? I, I added add relative, that? yeah. yeah. Okay. So it's constantly varied functional movement, high intensity. Yep. I add the relative. Yeah, because um, high intensity for that individual... Is always different for people. Makes sense. Yeah, for you and for me, it's going to be slightly different. Um, but yeah, so the constantly varied is where everyone would get caught up. So they'd just like randomise workouts and they wouldn't have a set structured mm, schedule mm. for it, right? Yeah. So, and, and we did a little bit of that as well. There'd be a, a strength phase, you know, underlying what we did. So we'd do like back squats, you know, every Monday and it would follow that for like six weeks and change and whatever else. Um, and then with general population, like not everyone's going to make it in on a Monday. So we're like, oh, how do we change that? So eventually we changed it to, you know, five by five and do this. So like the, the intricacies, I guess, of the program changed over time. But the, when we actually hit our straps and like where we've sort of gotten to now and, and the best way I, I feel is people's goals, motivation, days they can come in, all that stuff will ebb and flow and, and change. So what we've done now is like we've got predominantly a CrossFit program for, for the guys who want to come in and, and get fitter and stronger and just generally improve their health and fitness and they can do those classes. If they then come to a point of time in the year where they say, I want to do the city to surf in, within the next three months, we've also got endurance classes that they can come into and they can do a couple of those a week and add maybe one CrossFit session and a couple of runs in and they're training four or five times a week and, you know, not having to do, you know, 20, 30, 40 Ks on their legs and like ruin their legs to, yeah. on their knees to keep up that endurance and build that endurance. So... We've added like multiple different classes to our offering and to our program and that's part of the evolution we sort of talked about before and that's just allowed the clients to stay on track with it. Um, that's cool. Whereas before it was CrossFit workouts Just CrossFit. All day. Yeah, it was yeah. literally just randomised CrossFit and like most CrossFit gyms would have been the same. Like the high intensity, everyone gets results straight away because it's they're going way harder than what they ever did before. Yeah. They're not doing shitty bicep curls. They're like doing, you know, squats and presses. So you're yeah. moving way further, you're burning way more calories, you're using way more muscles. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, remember, I remember those, those randomised days when I yeah. f was first introduced to CrossFit. Uh, so I, I don't know if I've spoken about this on the show before, but buddy of mine, Big G, who, uh, who, who owned CrossFit Bondi, um, he opened that gym. He no longer owns it. But uh, I remember him telling me about it. Um, he was showing me on his phone, man, there's this... There's this thing, it's called CrossFit, I've been doing it lately. He was a real, he was just a bro, he was a gym bro. He was a big guy, big tall dude, just pushed a lot of weights, kind of bodybuilding style training. I was into jiu-jitsu at the time and some kettlebells and shit and calisthenics. And, uh, and he's like, man, I've been doing this thing called CrossFit, it's fucking wild. And I'm like, what is it? <laughs> he's like, dude, it's just this website and they put these workouts up and you do the workouts. And I'm like, oh, that seems pretty cool. And so he started a little group down at Bondi Beach where he'd just get 
a few of us together. And really it was like, he's mentioned it to a few of our mates. Oh, who wants to do some, some training? And a few people are like, yeah, I need to get fit. Yeah, me too, man. I'm out of shape. Um, so <laughs> like we all turned up. I was not out of shape. And uh, the, he would, I remember like a few times, he would just kind of dream up these workouts and they were fucking savage. He would, be, he would be like, all right, guys, we're going to do, uh, you're going to do 100 pull-ups, then you're going to go here and you're going to um, fucking do 400 rope slams, then I want you to do 60 burpees, then you're going to run around this park, like at, up at the point at Bondi Beach, you're going to run around this park five times. Um, and, you know, it was just, it was, it was exactly that, it was randomized. And um, I'd always get through it, right? And, I, and it was that same thing you touched on before where it's like, you get through it and you're like, I can't believe I just completed that. Like there's some <laughs> immense sense of satisfaction because you just dragged yourself through hell. Um, and we would do that once a week. And, you know, and then slowly over time, he started to understand more strength and conditioning and concepts behind it. And um, he actually turned his apartment into a little CrossFit gym. <laughs> and then he got noise complaints from people because he was dumping barbells in his apartment. Oh, like, wow. Seven. That's nice um, level. Yeah, and then he started teaching <laughs> the part, and then he ended up opening a gym, and you know that that gym since been sold on, but um, but yeah, it was it was uh, it was exciting, it was uh, it was it was hard, it was highly irresponsible in that the way we were doing it, yeah, but it was heaps of fun, you know, yeah. and uh, and so I, I kind of look back fondly over those days. However, now that I'm a gym gym owner, I'm also like, there's no longevity in that; it has to evolve. Yeah. And that's the like that's the whole free market thing that I was talking about before. Like CrossFit originally started, and they didn't know where it was going. Like they literally just said, "Hey, you can use the name CrossFit on these workouts that you're doing, and start your own gym, and you know it's going to flow on from there." The ones that are still doing that are the ones that are dying off. The ones that aren't, because that's that's not getting results for people. Like I I said this before as well, is it'll work up until a point. Like randomness will work until a point until people get their bodies used to that randomness to, to some extent and then they need some sort of like structured approach to training, like doing sets and reps and the overload and progressions and, and that type of stuff, different variants of movements rather than the same sort of random workout thrown together. So that's, yeah, the, the free market thing is, is working, a, you know, an absolute charm in that respect because those guys are just sort of disappearing. Out of the game. Yeah, exactly. And the ones that are willing to, to look at best practices in different things. And, you know, we go and do, you know, weekend seminars with you guys. Like, we'll come and do your ring workshop or, or catch up with you once a month and we do a training session at each other's gyms. And, like, I learn a little bit from you and then you come on our retreats and you teach us jiu-jitsu and we use some of that in our warm-ups and, you know, just the constant evolution. If you're not open to that, especially as a CrossFit gym owner, but just a gym owner in general then you're going to have bored clients and they're not going to stay with you anymore. They're going to come to me or you because we're doing that stuff. Yes. And not stay with other gyms, you know. Just a question because I haven't done a lot of CrossFit. Um, but when CrossFit did and still do prescribe workouts, yeah, uh, the Metcons and such, like, is that the only thing they're prescribing or did they used to prescribe an hour session and they did some strength work before or some skill work before, body weight and whatnot, before having before having like uh, the big workout or was it just the Metcon and then it was left after, left, left up to the affiliates to work out what they want to do in the rest of that time? Yeah, so when you, when you go and become a CrossFit trainer or, or level one coach, they will run through that stuff. Like they, they teach you their model of programming and 
essentially they they use three different training methods so we use gymnastics weightlifting and cardio training and they teach you to program you know on day one you'll do just gymnastics training so it might be a full gymnastics workout it might be like an hour on the rings mm. yeah and then the second day might be weightlifting and, and cardio so you might do like 10 cleaning jerks 400 meter run for five rounds and that's your workout and then the third day you might do all three things together so you do gymnastics weightlifting and cardio okay so the way that could look is like um 10 front squats 10 push-ups um and a 200 meter row for example and you just do that heaps of times yeah, yeah sure. so okay. essentially the the randomness is up to the the coaches and the gym owners and, and to program themselves and crossfit is just giving you a sort of a system and a structure that they believe is really good for you to then follow and, and sort of adopt and that like that works really well when you first start out but then obviously the market doesn't just want that because you know the rise of like the the franchise gyms that are coming up now like people want to sweat so if we just did like 10 sets of 10 back squats that's probably going to get people better results than some of the other shit that's out there, to be honest, because they're going to get really, really freaking strong and they're going to build some muscle. Um, you know, you wouldn't do that every day. That'd be one of your five training days for that week. But people will favour going for a sweat over doing something hard like that, where we as trainers know that if you have more lean muscle mass, you're a more resilient human and you're not going to die as easy and you're not going to get killed. Um, whereas if you're just someone going in to sweat out your calories that you ate on the weekend because sure. you're because you can't control yourself and you have to drink all the beers and eat all the donuts, then... Nom, nom, nom. Yeah. <laughs> like that's sort of... Um, yeah. The, the the programming is up to you, okay. I guess I could I say. But they publish wads for people. They can use them. It's optional. That's that's just on CrossFit.com. Yeah. Okay. And a lot of CrossFit gyms will post their workouts these days. Yeah. They just post them up online and you yeah, can just you follow along. This. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. It's an interesting thing that... Um, that that posting of the workouts it's it's kind of cool right like it's a simple prescription i think um you know um something that i that i've noticed because i i enjoyed doing crossfit like for a long time on and off there and like when i come and do what i do with you guys i enjoy it when we did the open and stuff um but something that i think was probably lost in that in those early days and in that simple like because it was an overly simplified approach yeah. which I think was really what made it very attractive. Uh, but something that was lost was the, the, the ability to see what an individual might need and then to be able to work on that thing. A as an example, say the, say the prescription was today it's five by five back squat and then um, run, uh, run a kilometre as fast as possible, something yeah. like that. Um, but then you get someone who comes in and they just cannot squat for shit Yep. They've just got really bad hip mobility and the back squat just doesn't work for them. Um, if, you, if you persisted and were like, oh, well, let's just, let's just find a variation of the squat that works or let's just, let's just get you doing half reps or whatever it is, let's just get you to do that. I think that that, that was the overly simplified nature of it and that didn't necessarily work for that person. No. Whereas if you, as a gym, you know, as, a, as someone who has a wider view, if you go, all right, well, maybe let's suspend a couple of weeks like addressing your hips and let's get you a bit more mobile. Let's give you a workout that you can do where you can, you know, um, uh, force some muscle growth and, and move through full ranges of motion and whatnot. And then in some time, you're going to be able to squat and do these sessions. Yeah. That became, you know, that, that was the favorable approach. Yeah. But I think a lot of operators didn't, they were just stuck on, oh, well, this is what we're doing. So we're going to find a way to make you do this. Yeah. And that's just the free market, right? So some people were willing to 
to drill into how to get people better and to work with like we've got partnerships with um, physios and chiros in our local area and part of signing up to a membership with us is a free screening session with either of those two with either a chiro or a physio and then they send us a report and have the client cc'd in it and it will address all the stuff that that client needs to work on so it could be hip mobility or an overhead position for snatching or for holding the hands above their head trying to do a pull-up or something um, but we have that direct line of communication and we're like super interested in that because that helps us form the scaling options for our workouts and to modify and tailor workouts for people with where they're at rather than like worrying too much about where we want them to be. We just, especially when they're starting out, we want to meet them where they are and give them some stuff for that initial, you know, like muscle growth and giving them that feeling of the endorphins and feeling really cool that they've accomplished something. And then over time, like we can start working, okay, like they, this is where we want to get you with the squat eventually. Um, but yeah, if you're not willing to sort of change that, a lot of people didn't, then that's where you're going to run into a bit of trouble as a gym owner. Yeah. What's your, um, talk to me about the, the competitive mindset and, the, and, and obviously the nature of, of a lot of CrossFit training is that it, it incentivizes you to work hard, yeah. which is the beauty in yeah. many ways of the programming. Um, how do you manage that? Uh, because I'm guessing in the gym you've got people of different abilities. Some people who have the, you could say they, they have the right to be competitive and go hard. <laughs> and then some people who perhaps haven't earned that. Yeah. But you've got to manage that, right? Because uh, it, mm. it's, it's present. How do, you, how do you go about that on yeah. a sort of, uh, you know, on a practical basis? Yeah. So managing clients in the gym with that or myself? Uh, clients. Clients, yeah. Um, so one of my favorite things to tell them, uh, especially when they come to me and they say they want to go and do these competitions or whatever, is you can literally only train as hard as you can recover. So you don't get better from the actual training and the stimulus that goes in in the gym per se. It's the, the ability for your body to recover and, and build muscle from that stress that you've just put it through. And if you're going home and you know, not sleeping all night, putting shit into your body and then coming into the gym the next day and trying to flog yourself and do the really hard thing, sure, like initially you might get a little bit better, but give it a little bit of time and there's going to be some sort of breakdown. Like um, a good mate of ours, he experienced this when he went through his competitive CrossFit thing. Like he just started losing his appetite. And Do I was, know this guy? Yeah. Who's uh, the guy? He, he hosts a big podcast. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, so... <laughs> Yeah, and he, so he like couldn't eat and like, couldn't sleep and like had all these like hectic symptoms from overtraining. Wow. Essentially. And it was all because he was trying to go too hard and he wasn't spending enough time on the, the mobility and the recovery and maybe doing some sort of like mindfulness practice or yoga once a week or swimming to, you know, deload the joints or, or whatever. So, um, yeah, you can only train as hard as you, as you can recover is like my first initial um, bit of advice to them. And then it's, um, yeah, and then we can start talking about diet and, and, like, what you're doing in those workouts and areas of weakness and, yeah, like, the, you can go down massive rabbit holes with it. But it's essentially that would be the first point of call. Talk to me about, um, say, the, say, you have a, say you have someone that is, uh, you want them to work hard. Like, in, you, you've got, they've got a, they're in the middle of a workout right some kind of metabolic conditioning you want them to go hard um there's three movements on the board and everyone's going for it but they have they have certain mobility limitations yeah 
how do you how do you manage the walking that line between come on man let's work like this is this is your time to go hard mm-hmm. and hey I need you to be a, slow it down a bit and be mindful of this this uh, dysfunction or mechanical issue that you're dealing with yeah that's that's a really good question so with um one of the things I initially teach you with CrossFit is uh, mechanics consistency intensity so that's the model MCI is what they follow so they say when someone starts at your gym, uh, you obviously want to teach them the mechanics. So that's why CrossFit gyms will mainly have um, like some sort of uh, group onboarding or fundamentals type session, or like we do now, an uh, individual one-on-one PT or, or two or three-to-one PT, where we'll teach literally people all of the movements that they're going to be expected to do in the gym um, before they actually jump into classes, and they'll have a coach one-on-one for a few hours to actually run them through that. Um, that is... So that's teaching the mechanics. So that's show, like, that, that also shows us like what they're able to do, what they're not able to do. Um, if we need to send them to a physio or chiro to like do a bit of a movement screening or whatever and, and help them out with that. Um, and also just if they can push themselves or not push themselves with certain movements. Um, once they have a, an understanding of the basics, so the mechanics of the movements, we can then ask them to, to produce some consistency. So what we need to do is to find a weight or um, a level of the movement or a certain stimulus where eight times out of ten they're nailing it and then a couple of times out of ten they're doing it a little bit wrong or they're just going a little bit off off what they're meant to be doing for perfect mechanics. So that, like this 80-20 rule shows up. So they're getting feedback that they're not perfect but they're doing a lot of it right most of the time so they're getting progress growth and confidence in the movements when someone gets to a point where they're doing like eight nine or ten out of ten reps of certain movements all of the time then we can we know that we can start throwing some intensity at that person so that might even take a few months for someone to develop um you know like someone just walking in off the street can never grab a barbell and do a full snatch with it like that's just something that doesn't happen so there's you know different movements that we scale it to whether it's a clean or we use a, a dumbbell single arm snatch or, or something that's like super easy where we can throw intensity at them because it's so light and so easy that they can just literally hammer themselves or a sled push or an assault bike. That's why you see those are, are really popular in CrossFit boxes because there's zero mechanics to it. Like right. any, anyone can jump on the assault Go bike. It's super hard. It's mm. not hard to be consistent They're at pe- fucking pedaling, horrible machines. pedaling a fucking bike, right? Like mm. unless you're pedaling backwards and you're an idiot. Um, <laughs> if you're going forwards and going hard, like we can throw as much intensity as, you, we, as we want to. So that's the sort of approach that we'll follow, that mechanics, consistency, intensity. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's cool. That's really clean. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And um, a lot of, like a lot of CrossFit gyms, well, no one ever misses the intensity part, right? Like everyone sees the intensity and they're like, that's what I want. Like that's where I want to be. They don't realize that in order to earn the intensity of the complex movements, they need to go through the mechanics and the consistency first. Sure, we can have intensity with the really easy stuff, but don't expect to go into any gym really. Like even with the stuff that you guys do, like even jujitsu, right? There'd be some takedowns or some other things. Like even like you just got recently like tweak your knee like that's because intensity was there right and it was something slightly different to what you had thought it was going to be and it ended up you know you, you stuffed your knee up a little bit like yeah it was an accident obviously but as soon as intensity is thrown into the mix anything that's technical is going to go straight out the window right it gets super hard well the yeah the risk of that yeah. increases yeah 100 yeah. for sure 
Yeah. I mean, that's the, uh, you know, that's the, I guess that's the idea behind um, sp- sport performance. Yeah, the knife's edge that we are talking about Yeah, before. that's right. Sometimes yeah. you, that's right, you have to take that risk if you do want to be performing at that level. Yeah, 100%. Can I selfishly change the topic? Go there. Um, just just because you're you're a you're a cool guy, um, I think your gym's doing really well. You you're a competitor, um, and I want to know more about you personally. Um, besides the training, um, Joe tells me you're quite into personal development, yep. and I think to to where you've gotten yourself to uh, with all the changes that's happened, um, you probably have a, a pretty good routine, or you've done quite a bit of personal development stuff. And I know because we were in Alchemy together. Yeah. Um, what do you do for personal development? I'd love, I'd love to know. Um, and what is it? Yeah, um, I guess it's uh, a big thing of it is like the if if anyone's gonna sort of dive into personal development, that one of the first things I would tell them to do is to wrap their head around uh, the book called Mindset, and that's to to look at essentially Carol Dweck looks at the the mindset as either being fixed or growth. So a fixed growth, uh, a fixed mindset, sorry, person is someone who sees their traits as like inherent and fixed in what they are. Like you're born to be either good at school or bad at school or um, a good athlete or a bad athlete or fat or skinny. Like you just want one or the other and you have no opportunity to improve that. Whereas the growth mindset individual is somebody who sees everything as an opportunity to, to get better. Um, so anything in life. Um, so one of one of the things that I'm applying this to now, um, and it's like my own little personal development sort of journey that I'm I'm going on is, mm. I um and I, I tell as many people as I can so that a lot of people know and they sort of hold me accountable is I want to one day write a book and I don't know what I want the book to be about or like exactly what it's going to say, um, but I need to get better at formulating ideas because I can. I can say them okay and I can talk to you about them now okay, but it's really hard to put them in words for me. Yep. Um, I was never, you know, a grade, an A-grade student at, at English and maths didn't and all that stuff at school. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, <laughs> I went to the Navy first. Yeah. Um, but essentially, um, I just really want to get better at putting those ideas into words on paper so that I can become a better writer and then I'll be able to write a book one day. And I see that by me writing a blog post every day or every week or, you know, consistently, and that's my little thing at the moment is Monday, Wednesday, Friday writing, um, is it's doing the sets and reps that I need to to get better at that thing. So that's my growth mindset look at becoming a better writer. Um, And it's just applying that to as many different things as you can Um, because nobody is inherently fixed in what they can do. Like you can literally improve anything you want if you put your mind to it. And that essentially is like the the start of personal development, right? Yeah. If you believe that in yourself, then you can do stuff. So where did your personal development begin? Like when did did, did someone, did you read something or see something or did, like I've yeah. done some personal development and I, I remember when it happened for me. Yeah. And I, I believe and I like it. And recently I keep thinking, well, you see it a lot or maybe it's because I move in certain circles and I have a certain algorithm yeah. based on the shit that I watch on YouTube, etc. Yeah. I start to see it a lot. In others. Uh, in others and other people and it gets like thrown at me all the time. So I'm like, oh, yeah. what is it type thing? But where, well, first mm. of all, where, where did it start for you? At what part of like this timeline of training and stuff? Did it happen quite early or is it something more recent? Uh, being able to apply it to different things I think started a bit later. 
um, like, and, and seeing the pattern in, in other things because mm. initially it was just all about sport and athleticism. So I saw – and I played a lot of golf as a junior as well and I've, I've recently started getting back into that. Um, and, and even with CrossFit too when I first started there. But a lot of people – I wasn't the most athletically gifted – I was always, like I was saying before, I was always good at sports, but I was never the, like the great person that would make the Australian team or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I could literally start it and be good at it. And the one thing that sort of set me apart was like I'd stay a bit later at training or I'd go and find more golf balls during the day in the dams, like walk around barefoot and then, you know, put them down and hit like 100 or 200 or 1,000 golf balls into greens and just practice different shots. Mm. And I saw like that would just always make me better and I would just start like passing all these other people who just didn't really do any hard work. And I think it just reminds me of that old quote, the, um, what is it, the hard work beats talent when talent fails to work hard. Yeah, yeah, is that yeah, one? something like that, yeah. Yeah, like I, I sort of, I just saw that happening. Like I, I would just be doing more things than other people or I would like gamify stuff as much as I could to, to become better at stuff than these other people. And now I just sort of do it in business and I do it in my writing and I do it in other stuff and I'm doing it in golf again at the moment. But um, I guess that that if you wrap that up it would come down to um the deliberate practice theory for different things so um, deliberate practice for anyone that doesn't know is essentially setting yourself a clear stretch goal um then getting immediate informative feedback about that goal and then focusing repetition on that thing so a physical example of that is to go to um, a golf course or shoot free throws in basketball and you need to get it through the hoop or you need to hit a fade or a draw with a golf ball, um, you get up, you hit a shot or you shoot a free throw, the immediate informative feedback is did it go in or did it not go in? Mm. I need to shoot it longer or shorter. I need to swing the club this way or that way. That feedback then you know, gets you to do more repetitions at that and then the, the more you can do that, like that closed loop system, the more you do that over and over and over, then the better you become. And if you apply that to things that you do, like if people applied that to their snatches in the gym or their pull-ups, their kipping pull-ups in the gym or their kipping muscle-ups in the gym, sure. like that's what drives way more um, like skill progression than anything, right? For, for us, seeing it in the gym, like people just get so consistent at their mechanics that we can then start throwing intensity at them really quickly because they've, they've deliberately practiced and we've put these sort of things in place for them to get better with that. So uh, do you use, like obviously we have all walks of life coming into our gyms, Uh, people at different uh, psychological states or emotional (laughs) states. Um, I guess that's what I want to ask more about that part of, say, personal development. Yeah. Um, I'd want to know, like, if you guys use it at your gym in a structured way or is there a process around that or is it something that you just do? Personal development, that is. Yeah. Like, is it something you offer there or do um, do you find that there's people that you can see could benefit from that part and do you deliver that to Definitely. them in any formal way or, or is it just something that happens on a one-on-one thing which is like it's kind of how it happens here for me yeah no definitely um so we we run retreats a couple of times a year actually mm-hmm. and that's probably our most formal way of doing that stuff um, because we're actually taking people and i find to do this personal development work stuff where asking our clients to look back at their lives as if they're looking from a, you know, a helicopter or a plane flying over. 
Like, and we literally want to take them on a plane to Bali so they can get the fuck out of Australia. Well, it's best away, isn't and it? And they can look back at what they're doing and there's no distractions. They're not you know, getting work emails and stuff. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they can literally look back at their life and they can say, sweet, like what are the things that are serving me really well and moving me towards what I want to accomplish and what are the things that aren't? And we can start formulating plans and putting systems in place for them to get better at that. And... It wasn't until like I went on one and, and I'm pretty sure you guys have been on uh, or went on a retreat with Drew back in the day. Mm-hmm. And, um, is our old business coach? Yeah. So it's going and doing that for yourself. You see the benefit and it was such a – it was so good for us and we came back with so many good habits and, and systems that we employed straight away to, you know, help us with whatever the thing was that we were going through. Um, but now to give that to other people totally. is like – it's amazing. Like literally from – um, like there's been so, so many changes that have happened over the years from, you know, certain people coming away on retreats, like, you know, their relationships have changed, their careers have changed, they, you know, are in different countries to where they thought they would be, like all of this stuff. And it's literally from taking them out of the day-to-day grind of their environment and putting them in a place where we can say, like, look, it, it's okay to look at everything now. Like, where's your finances at? Where is your... Um, you know education at where where's your you know health and fitness at where do you want to work on and where can we help you get better or where can you think you know what are some strategies you can put in place to make that better and then giving them the space to then do that with a clear mind yes is yeah like people come back and make significant changes joey joey can attest to that Mm. yes (laughs) (laughs) there's been some uh big changes yeah big changes and, and interesting changes but um yeah, I guess like when you as a coach or, or you guys as coaches saw that and it worked wonders for you, like you just want to give that to as many people as yeah, you can, that, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, so that's so why I'm huge on personal development. Um, how many retreats do you... Because you're big on them over there. You have them yearly? Yeah. One or two a year? Yeah, last year we actually ran three. Wow. Yeah, we did one on the South Coast, one and Joey came down to that and did some jits for us. Uh, cool. We did one that's to cool. Byron Bay in May and then one to Bali in August. And next year we've just got two, but we're doing two in Bali. Mad. Yeah. Mainly gym members? Yeah, all gym members. Literally just clients of ours in the gym. And it's closed to them only? Yeah. Well, it has been for now because like doing the first one was the hardest. Like dipping our toes in the water and getting a few people to come was really tough. Yeah. Um, And there was our own personal growth happened at that because we were asking our clients to pay a good chunk of money yes. over the 60, 70 bucks a week they pay for a gym membership to yeah, come yeah, away. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we didn't really know how that was going to go, but end up going very swimmingly, I should say. Yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> after after doing that and putting yourself out there... Swimmingly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't, never used that word before. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like after we... Uh, I was at a restaurant once and the person took my... Empty dish away, and they said, "How was it?" And I said, "Scrumptious." <laughs> and then I turned to the people at the table. I was like, "I've never said that fucking <laughs> word in my life." <laughs> yeah, I don't know what, what sort of made that come about, but yeah. it, it came out anyway. Um, but yeah, it's essentially, once we had that first one up and running and, and rolled and went really well, swimmingly, you could say. Um, yeah, we like half of the next one was sold out because those people wanted to come back and then it was just a matter of getting a couple of people to the next one and then the third one rolled around and half the people from the second one wanted to go so yes, each yes. time it's like half of the people are, are stalwarts and they've been there before and they sort of know what's coming and 
they like enjoy the once or, or twice a year of sitting down and doing that personal development. Like that's what they come for every year. Yeah. They literally don't take holidays outside of that. Yeah. Maybe like long weekends and stuff, but they like book those trips as like specific. Like I'm doing that because it's going to be awesome for me. I go on a holiday. I train with the people that I really want to hang out with and, and surround myself with. I do personal development. I don't have to worry about food. I don't have to worry about like anything. Like literally the boys have just got everything sorted for me and yeah, they just keep coming back. So yeah, yeah, yeah we had a pretty grateful of, for that. Yeah, we had a lot of fun on our retreats. Um, oh. We had them home. They they fucking go such a long way. And we from the beginning it, for us putting it all on, it was all about the training. You know, eighty yeah. like percent of it was training, <laughs> and we know now that we probably had twice as much training it was than was necessary. Right? <laughs> but it was <laughs> all the stuff. We had so much training, man. <laughs> it was like three sessions a day, and uh, but it ended up being. The personal development type stuff, the hanging out in between the sessions, yeah. the quiet chats with individuals that made it more memorable and beneficial. And that's what the testimonies were coming back and feedback yeah. from them, from all the members, right? And it's kind of, you kind of can't describe it to people, can you? They've got to experience it. Yeah, they've got to come and do one for themselves. Like, yeah. It, it might, yeah, it might sound a bit it always like seems weird up in like the air or, or like, yeah. oh, I don't know if I want to do that. But once you do it, you, you're going to book the next one. Yeah. <laughs> so be ready to come on too if you're going to book in for one. Man, the talk is for next year, Cook Islands. T's been trying to spruik that one for the next Jungle Brothers retreat. I'm trying retreat. to spruik him to spruik that one. <laughs> I, I think know you should spruik me because there's probably more <laughs> chance of it happening. <laughs> but if he, yeah, if he makes up his mind, it's going to happen. Cook Islands would be sick. It'll be good. Yeah, That'd be awesome. To what, to Rarotonga? Or? Rarotonga, yeah. Because yeah, that's the yeah. main island, right? That's the main island. Yeah, that's he's got, and that's, yeah, that's his. And then you've got your fam in Fiji, Fiji. Yeah. which is like, which is way more remote. But that would be awesome to do one there someday. Oh, all the way back? Oh, we can yeah. go that far. It's too far. It's too far? But that would be the, that would be the sickest thing about it. Too many days He's of like, <laughs> how, many, how many hours is the plane ride from the main island to your island? Oh, the plane ride's only a short ride. It's like an hour or something? Yeah, maybe a bit longer. And then boats. But it's, yeah, you'd have to take the plane. But it's just like you're know, flying into Fiji and then it'll be like overnight, wait for the next plane. Take like two and a half days to get there. That would be sick though, bro. You know what I mean? It's pretty remote. Both ways. Super remote, man. Do you get reception out there? Ah, uh, they do now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they do. Damn. Everyone's got a mobile phone. We'll have to jam the towers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. When you get there, just yeah. jam the towers. No, but I no guess... communication. I guess that's why I was asking because you know how you're saying it's a bit weird, like personal development or the term personal development it has, I yeah. think, a, a, a bit of a stigma around it for people who don't, who haven't, dip their toes in it before yeah so it seems like like uh, i don't know people are doing this, this seems kind of kind of churchy churchy like type stuff yeah yeah, well, yeah everyone just thinks like tony robbins and like motivational speakers on the stage and like yeah. pumping yourself up where that's that's not really it like you literally just find just like you are in the gym like gym yeah. stuff is the same as personal development it's just physical stuff that you're doing in the gym sets and reps and trying to progressively overload yourself yeah whereas with personal development you're just finding areas that perhaps are, are things that you need to work on whether it's something in your relationships whether it's something in your i don't know the manner in which you talk to people or your written communication or whatever it is mm. and just being aware of it first and foremost and mm. the best way to do that is to look back at what you're doing from somewhere else and then once you do that, is like find a system or an accountability buddy or a coach or somebody who can hold you to some sort of accountability and, you know, commit to working on it for a period of time if it's something that you really want. It's, it's not going to work if it's like somebody else, like me telling you, 
like you should do this thing, like should, pretty, yeah, sh- yeah, pretty yeah. shit word to use, yes, right? Yeah, yeah. This this is something that you could do. Um, if you want it, if it's intrinsic motivation, it's going to be something that you stick to and you do with much more enthusiasm and effort than anything else that you could do, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you've got to want it from within, and that's why we don't tell people anything. Like we literally say we're just going to look back at these areas of your life what you find within that is going to be individual to you and then we sort of like all have a bit of a talk about it and Mm. some people might share some experiences that they've had in that situation and then you know people can make up their own minds and buy into whatever they course of action they want to take yeah not what we say so when you're selling your retreat do you sell it as mainly a training retreat with some other stuff on it and they kind of know what that is and you on a one-on-one basis they find out more yeah. Or have you got a culture around that that people know that's like, oh, you do personal development there? Yeah, because we've done, I think, like nine or ten now. Like everyone knows what's coming when they go. Mm. So it's it's um, it makes it really good for us because I now have to either go on retreats myself or go to more seminars or courses and stuff to yes. learn yeah, new, new tools and, and tips and tactics and whatever else. So it keeps me evolving and growing. Um, but also, like, we still need to make it in a, a location that's fun and, you know, there's going to be a pool there so people can swim and have a couple of bintangs and, you know, the training's good as well. And, yeah, like, it needs to be a good mix of everything. Yeah, sure. Yeah, they yeah. don't just want to come for just the personal development. That'd be a bit hectic. Yeah. <laughs> Nine and ten, that's impressive. Five days. That's really cool. Yeah. yeah I, th- I think it's – I think it was nine. I think Bali next year will be the tenth one, yeah. Bang. Yeah. yeah. Good times. Mate, um, we've done an hour 20. Holy crap. Easy to talk, eh? Yeah. It's easy once we get into it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was going to ask just as a closing thing, is there anything, uh, you know, just in your, in your experience coaching a lot of people in your gym and, and your own growth and, and, and your own interest in, in, in personal development and all those things, you got any, uh, any key lessons, something that you like to pass on to individuals, you know, whether it's like a an overarching thought on a thing or a habit that you like or you know something that you advise to new members coming into your gym yeah um oh man lots of lots of things uh spring to mind but i guess um like the the big one that i would say and and like has what's got me here to like owning a gym and like having a, a pretty good lifestyle i would say um is saying yes to different opportunities and like I actually posted about this the other day on Instagram and just like sort of encourage people to say instead of being like super hesitant or like thinking about it too much or going home and thinking about it overnight, like if you said yes to more opportunities, sure, things might not always go in your favour and play out so well, but it's going to put you in situations where you need to like get better really quickly. Um, for example, like saying yes to the lease of our gym before we were ready like we had zero members we had zero anything and we said yes to a lease that was going to put us 100k in the hole like within the first year as well not to mention all the bills and stuff that came with it but if i didn't say yes to that and i didn't have the balls to say yes to that at the start then we wouldn't be in the position where we are now where we've you know things have changed and we've run nine retreats and we've got a gym with you know however many people and met cool people like you guys and hang out with other gym owners and go to brekkie once a month and all that and it's it's literally just from saying yes yeah. i like that yeah say yes throwing more. yourself in the deep end a bit yeah 100 percent. and then yeah. trusting that you'll you'll figure it out yeah because I, I think the the reason people don't say yes more is 
they're just scared of like what if or like the failure that can happen and we're very we're very attuned and whatnot these days to not want to look bad in front of other people whereas i'd rather fall on my face and get back up and like dust myself off and be like oh you know i was being a bit of a dick there or (laughs) that that was that was stupid i shouldn't have lost that thousand dollars on that dumb course um and learn from it than to be like oh i wonder what would have happened if i had have done that like there's there's not many moments in my life where i've looked back and wondered what would have happened because i've said yes so many times yes they haven't all worked out too well (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, mostly cool. good. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of people get a lot from that. I reckon. Just say yes more. That's cool. I like yeah. that, mate. Um, thank you for coming on the show today. Can you tell people where like they can find you if they want to follow you on Insta? Uh, Check your gym. Sure. Yeah. So, um, what have we got? So yeah, we've just got the Facebook page and the Instagram page of um, at Accelerate Strength. Um, you can check us out there. We're only over in Roselle. So if you live in Sydney, then you can drop us a line and, and come and visit. Um, and, yeah, check out the, the blog. Like, I, I really like it when people um, either comment or write me a message or, or whatever from the blog. Like, it's actually starting to get a bit more traction now and a few more people actually reading it, um, which is cool. Um, so, yeah, you can just see that on... How often do you blog? Accelerate Strength website. Uh, I do. I used to do Monday to Friday, but now that we've got a podcast as well, I sort of do that a couple of days a week. Um, but yeah, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'm putting out new stuff. Nice. Yeah, on the blog, um, and then yeah, you can listen to our podcast as well, the Accelerate Strength podcast, which I'm sure you guys will be guests of in the in the near future. Fuck yeah, man! We look forward to it. <laughs> be honoured. Yeah, come over to the west side. I'll be over there a lot more sometime soon. Yeah. (laughs) Might be doing a bit more CrossFit. (laughs) (laughs) See how my knee goes. Sweet. Thank you, boys. Bro, thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks, Polly. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, fam. Hey, uh, thank you for listening, guys. That was episode 43, junglebrothers.com. You can catch us there if you need to get in touch. Uh, Thanks to our coffee sponsor, Panavore, uh, the most epic cafe down in the south here. It's over at Pagewood. Check them out if you're, if you're in the area. Um, if you want more information on anything we're doing, please get in touch. You can reach us through the website, junglebrothers.com, or you can get us on our Instagram, which is at junglebrothersmovement. Uh, next coach's internship coming up early next year. A couple of spots available if you're interested. Holla. And uh, our jiu-jitsu program will be running up and running full-time in the next couple of weeks, so keep an eye out for that. Thanks for listening, guys. Cheers, bye.